How's everybody? Am I on? Can you hear me okay? How's that? A little higher? A little higher? A little bit higher? There we go. All right. Did you guys forget it was winter time? Did y'all did y'all wake up and go, what's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's January soon to be, and we're gonna have uh, little snowflakes, but I think it's gonna melt. I think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna stand. So uh, we could pray about that. Let's let's go before the throne. Father, thank you this morning, this afternoon. Thank you for allowing us to have another day, uh, which we can uh, come and worship you together collectively whether it be in person or virtually. Thank you for giving us the hunger to want to uh, uh, come in fellowship with other believers. Listen and read your word so that we can be fed spiritually, so that we won't be dead spiritually. And we just thank you for what you're going to do. Let your word go forth and be heard. Um, Thank you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So our church theme, we had a a few board meetings, and um, the council decided to have uh, uh, just, we always go through this every year. We usually have a church uh, board retreat, and because of things that have been going on with the virus and all that stuff over the last few years, we've been doing it on Zoom. So the last one, we decided to uh, uh, decide on a, uh, a theme for 2024, developing a purpose-driven church. Now, I know you guys probably heard, uh, read the book or seen the book because it was pretty popular. Uh, probably, what was that, 10, 12, 14, 15 years ago, purpose-driven life, uh, purpose-driven something. There was a lot of purpose-driven by, uh, was it Bruce Wilkinson or Rick's, Rick Warren? Rick Warren, yeah. But this is not that, and what we're going to be talking about this coming year is not that, but it's going to be even more. How's that? So um, I, uh, I want to start off in saying that there's no such thing as a perfect church because uh, in, in our church, the, here's the reason why this church is not a perfect church because I'm here. Y'all are all right. Y'all perfect. It's just me. Yeah, yeah. So as we set sail for 2024 um, with our church theme of developing a uh, purpose-driven church, I wanted to kind of step back and say, okay, before we start into that, let's look at what's not a purpose-driven church. And what better way to doing that by going through the word and allowing God to give us the examples that he put in his word. So in Revelations chapter 2 and chapter 3, we're not going to go through every single verse and all that because I don't want to keep you guys too long. I'm going to keep you long, but I don't want to keep you too long. Um, We're going to run through those and uh, hopefully uh, the Lord will allow clarity to happen. A couple, probably three, maybe a month ago, it was probably three weeks ago, you probably, you guys have probably heard this if... um, if you've seen a little snippet online, uh, or if you've seen it on the news, forgive me, Pastor. <laughs> um, 
I heard a lady, you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on with the, uh, the aliens, the immigrants and stuff, and they've been, you know, going down to the city council meetings, and y'all seen all that stuff, seen some clips of that. Well, I stumbled upon one where a lady was talking, and um, uh, she made a comment that really, really got my attention. And I, I really, that's kind of what stemmed this message on, actually. She, she made the statement, and I wrote it down. It said, let me back up. Pastor, Pastor always says, when you hear something, see something, keep a notepad or something handy. So on my phone, I got the notes section, so I always throw a note in there. And I went to my notes and wrote it down so I could say exactly what she said. Uh, she said, we don't pay attention to any of the faith-based leaders haven't paid attention to them since Dr. Martin Luther King. We understand that they have been bought and paid for. And that's a sad statement. Very, true or not, and I'm pretty sure some faith-based leaders, and we all, I don't want to get into calling names and, you know, just busting people out and stuff, but that was on live TV and went all across the bow. And people heard that. And you know how many people probably were going, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Just like, it's sad. Because it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. This should be, a, it should be somewhere where when you're in need and you need help and things are going on, that should be the first place that a person runs to. Somehow along the way, that that has uh, gotten uh, it's gotten lost, it's gotten confused, it's and people have given bad examples. Um, a purpose-driven church does not focus on money. I know you all have probably seen some crazy stuff online uh, with with different churches and leaders doing stuff for money, just all types of craziness. All right, I gotta do this a little. I wasn't gonna do this, but this, there's, there's a well-known pastor or whatever, if you wanna call him that, and he has a huge following, been around for years, been around so long that he's got white hair, it ain't even gray no more. And he says, you know, if you wanna come get a a, a, a healing or a feeling of the spirit come on up and it had a whole crowd of people standing up and he took his jacket off and he threw his jacket and all of them supposedly fell down on their own and they're supposed to have been blessed and, and I was just like man that's blasphemy but that's what the lady saying you know and then he got in his jet and flew home and that's what people sometimes think of church these days. That's why you don't see churches filled to capacity because nowadays we know that people need the Lord. If there's any time that I know of, people need the Lord more, more and more. So, um, remember to whom much is given, much is expected. 
It says in Luke 16, 13, man cannot serve two masters. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be talking about money and, and God. I'm just mentioning this right here. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Here's the whole, the real answer to this money thing, just to get off this real quick. Here's the whole answer to this money thing, money and God. Matthew 6, 33, 34. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you, period. That's it. And if you want to go a little further, you can go Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Not the government, not your job, not your own power. That you may establish his covenant, which he swore to his fathers. So you can be an example to the world and a blessing to his kingdom. Amen. So. This is what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2, it says, Teach the world, or teach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, with long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come where they will no longer endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers slash pastors, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's running rampant today. It is running rampant. Pretty popular. I, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I just... Pretty popular pastor out nowadays. Uh, he says that, you know, when asked a question regarding homosexuality and stuff like that, he says, well, I'm not here to judge. He won't even speak on it. And I'm just, all he has to do is read God's word. And that's what he's supposed to do. So the Lord gives us examples of churches that were not purpose-driven in Revelation chapter 2 and uh, 3. The Lord tells us about seven churches that were based in like what they call Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. So these seven churches, they were considered golden lampstands. And the pastors or the ministers, divine ministers at these churches, they were called the uh, the lights or the candles. Five of these churches, however, um, they weren't good examples of a purpose-driven church. So we're going to spend a little time going through those real quick. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the sections of the uh, verses that are talking about the specific five churches. I'm going to give you a quick little question you can answer it on your own and then we're going to move on and then at the end of the uh, quiz 
I'm kind of going to summarize all the stuff with a couple sentences uh, comparing each church, and then we'll close out. Amen? All right, so number one was the loveless church of Ephesus, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4 in Revelations. And I'll read, it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who see they are apostles, who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, although all of that good stuff, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So you gotta remember during, these, during those times, it's almost like times today. You know, nothing, nothing really changes. We go through the same thing over and over and over again. We just have to prepare ourselves. Um, they had a ton of false teaching going on throughout uh, Asia Minor during those times. And there was tons of idols that they were worshiping and people were getting carried away into believing false gods. So ask yourself, what was the first love? Because a lot of people read that and they go, oh, it's first love. Okay, that's, that's got to be the Lord Jesus Christ, right? It, absolutely, that's right. The one who died and took away the sins for all those that believed in him. Who did they leave? They stopped working with love. That's what they stopped doing. They stopped working with love. They stopped serving with the love of Christ. And have you, have you guys ever went to a restaurant and you got horrible service? And you said to yourself, they ain't getting no tip. <laughs> or if you leave them a tip, it's not going to be that 20%, 15% range. You might give them 10%, and that's just grace. Uh, or have you ever said to yourself, I can't wait till they send me that survey? Because they're going to get, Hope knows this about me, because I'm like, wait till they send me that survey, because this is horrible service. And I give them like one star or something, and I, read, I give them a, a nice little writing, and I got that from my sister's. <laughs> so ask yourself, how am I doing regarding Christ's love? Christ's love working through me when I hit uh, a rough patch, uh, tr some tribulation in my life. And well doing. So that was the church of Ephesus. The second church now, I'm only going to cover the churches that have the issues. I'm not going to cover the other two. So the churches that had the issues, the compromising church, that was the church of Pergamos. Revelation chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. I know your works. He again talks about the good. He kind of does the sandwich approach, if you guys are familiar with that. Let me, let me tell you something good, and then I'm going to slip something in there. I know your works. And where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Now, you got to remember, turbulent times, things were going on, people were leaving and just doing all types of crazy things. This right here, he says, 
Satan's throne. Don't skip over that. Satan's throne. Meaning they were in the midst. Okay. Some of y'all might get mad at me. Let's say back in the 70s or something. It would be like you on the west side. <laughs> I'm not going to make it out of church today. Brandon's in there going, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> And you hold fast to my name. I'm going to go back. I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Mentions it again. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans which things I hate. So let's, let's look at this. Who is Balaam first? Who is Balaam? Balaam was a prophet in the Old Testament who helped turn the Israelites against the Lord. He was kind of like your prophet for hire. Now, if you want to learn more about him, it's a good, good story about him in Numbers chapter 22, verses 1 through Numbers 31. <laughs> chapter 22 to 31 is a good story about Balaam okay pastors who put stumbling blocks in front of believers teaching false doctrines and having people believe what's not true they're, they're, they're what they call her heretics and they're not the best example for what a Christian pastor should do. That's just bottom line. So who is Balak? Balak was the king of Moab who was jealous and scared of the Israelites. And he was one of those guys, he feared losing his power. He saw all the Israelites when they were, when they were leaving, and he saw them camp around them and he said man these guys could take my power away so here's what here's what Balaam did Balaam tried to go and connive but he couldn't do it because the Lord wouldn't allow him to do it then he said I'll come up with something I'll have the Moab women go start to intermarry with the Israelites and then I'll be able to turn the Israelites against their Lord, and then they'll start worshiping all the idols and the, the priest and all the stuff that the Moabites worship, all the idols that they worship to, all the foods that they eat that are burnt towards those false idols. That's, uh, that's who Balak was. 
So who were the Nicolaitans? They were just the people that just believe in not worshiping the true living God. They were people that believe in false idols and worship false idols. They got around the Israelites and tried, and they said, no, you guys, you, you come over here. We, we can, you can keep doing what you're doing, but you can do what we do too, and you'll still be good. They just wanted to ch change their mind about how they live. What they really were doing was pulling them away from the Lord. Have you ever been tempted to sin because someone who you don't like has something that you think you should have? Have you ever thought that living for Christ was boring and you needed something to spruce it up? Maybe a substance, maybe a party, maybe a drink, maybe a different spouse, perhaps a change of venue. I need to go to a different church. They don't have no music over here. Oh, let me get off that. Okay, so Revelations chapter 2, we're at the end now. The corrupt church, the church of Thyatira, and that's verses 20 through 23. It starts again. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, your patience, and as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now, this one's deep. Because you have allowed the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into the sickbed and those who commit adultery with her in great tribulation unless they repent for their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the mind and hearts, that I will give to each one according to their works. Now check this out. I, w I sent pastor them, uh, pastor in the board, a, a short video clip a couple of weeks ago, there was a, um, a lawmaker, like a, like a congressperson in Turkey. And he got up before Congress, in, Congress in Turkey, just a bunch of lawmakers in Turkey. He got up in front of everyone and blasphemed Israel. And he literally had a heart attack and died right after he spoke. I said, man, that's God. You think you're going to get away with stuff. You might see other people so-called getting away with it, but one of these days it's going to catch up. And that was a, I, you didn't hear anybody else get up and say anything after that. <laughs> so this Jezebel in these verses referred to a type of Jezebel spirit within a woman who has turned believers away from the Lord. She had even been so good at doing it because she had the leadership in the church. They were having adulterous affairs with her, and they were allowing her to teach false doctrines. Man, she had to be really, really good. She sins, commits adultery, 
sex outside of marriage, fornication, sex outside of sex before marriage, lies, encourages others to do as she does because it feels good to do it. If you do it, you can have just as much fun as me. Yeah. If, you are, if you ever run across anyone that's teaching stuff like that, um, I remember when um, I came to pastor for premarital counseling, and one of the first things pastor asked a couple when they come to his, to his table or his office, he asked them, do you live together? Are you having sexual intercourse together? And, he, and, and if the answer is yes, he said, well, you need to separate or you need to get married or you need to stop it. And when I heard him tell me that, I was like, man, this is, he's he not pulling any punches, boy. This. <laughs> so let me see, see if I can get a second opinion. He sent me to piss past the forewood. Pastor Fool would say, you're living together, you're sleeping together. <laughs> Pastor Fool would say, you need to stop it or move or don't think about getting married. Matter of fact, are you saved? So that, that's, good, that's good counsel, by the way. Good counsel. The next church, the dead church of Sardis. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are really dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that you are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. I like to say pride cometh before the fall. And... Um, this church, what it did is allowed the world to come in and kind of take over. There was a remnant of what it used to be. They were known, they had a good name, but when you came inside, it was like an empty shell. It was, it was, you walked in and you're like, this is church? This is, this, I had this at the club last night. Because they came in and there was no difference than the world. There was nothing, it was empty. So the Lord said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm about to take you out. I am going to take you out. The last church, the lukewarm church, Laodiceans, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have no need, or do not know that you, or do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? If someone talked to me regarding uh, a hot Christian, I would think that uh, that would be someone on fire for the Lord, having a passion and living for, living for Christ. If you were cold, you could be warmed by the fire. 
Amen? If you were hungry, you would enjoy a warm cooked meal. If you had sin within you, you would want the Lord to burn those impurities out of you. If someone talked to me about a cold Christian, I would think someone solid, steadfast, immovable, always abiding in the Lord. When you want to preserve food, what do you do? You freeze it. What I used to think of this section of, uh, in these verses, I used to think cold meant something negative, hot meant something positive, but realistic, I like to look at things from different perspectives. And think about being cold, being, being cold. I know being on fire for the Lord, but being cold-blooded for the Lord. Blocking impurities out, being solid as a rock. They can't penetrate, right? Preserving, having what's inside of you preserved, not allowing it to escape out or drift away. You keep food refrigerated in order to keep it well. Keep it cold. When you're injured, what do you put on your injury? Ice packs, right? Think about that. You're hurting. Oh, I need the Lord. I need some. See, it's a different perspective. God wants us to be solid as a rock, preserving and healing. Amen? Have you ever heard someone say, uh, he's a self-made man? How can man achieve anything except by the grace of God? The church of Laodicean was the worst church of them all. They were all on the edge of being destroyed. So let's do a review real quick of the uh, issues that each one of these churches had. The church of Ephesus, they left their first love. So what do I say to that? Don't leave your first love. Don't leave the Lord. When you get into a situation and you think, remember the little bracelets, little handbands, what would Jesus do? Don't forget about the Lord. The church of Pergamos, don't allow false teachers, non-believers to deceive you. Always get back to the word. Stick with the word. Stay grounded, firm. And if you're having some, you know, some struggles, call another brother or sister and, and get prayer and ask to be strengthened up. The church of Thyatira, don't allow someone's beauty to seduce you into sinning and listening to false doctrine. Be like Joseph, run away, just get away. The church of Sardis, don't live off your past success. You need current credibility with the Lord. People need to be saved today. And the last, the church of Laodicea. Don't allow the world to take over your church. We are supposed to be conquerors, taking ground. We're supposed to be overcomers, not allowing the world to come in and take over. We're supposed to overcome the world. Don't be stagnant. Keep moving. Keep on keeping on. During the time John 
received these messages regarding the churches, what was going on was pretty familiar with uh, what's going on today. False doctrine seemed to be blaring from every city, and a lot of people were being drawn away from um, the likes with parables. I like to compare it to the parable of the sores, that story. The parable of the sower, some fell on rocky, some fell on thorny, some didn't take root, some took root and was pulled up real quick. That's what's happening today. Today we face a society telling, telling us that uh, girls can be boys. When I, when I first got saved, one of my hot buttons was, um, I remember I got involved with... Um, Southside Abortion Clinic, and they had this uh, uh, walk or cycle to raise funds and stuff. And it's kind of like a, nowadays you hear people in the news and they're talking about abortion as health care. Um, and it's a woman's right because it's her body. But what if there's a woman inside that body? What about her right? Um, mur murdering a child, you can go to jail, but it's okay to abort a baby. Um, how about this one? Taking mind-altering drugs is for mental and physical health. All roads lead to God, but not so much if you're a Christian. You can have free speech as long as you speak what the government says is, is acceptable. Don't pray in public. It might offend someone. But if those same people have a loved one that's hurting or just passed away, please pray for me. So hypocritical. And that's the world we live in today. Actually, that's the, that's the world they lived in, so nothing's changed. What, what, what's, what has stayed the same? God's word. The struggle between good and evil. That's, that's what stayed the same. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life in you. That's, 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 that verse right there is, that, or those verses, those, those, those are good. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. So here's a quick story. You know what I love about Chicagoland Bible Fellowship Church? We have never lowered the standards of Christ. <clears throat> um, and give you a little historical fact, some of you all that don't know about this church. Uh, we once um, had a, a, a building that was rented, right? 
rent it on Adams Street, and, and the owners decided to sell the property. So the church had to find another place to, to, for a church building. And we we flopping around. We were kind of like the Israelites in the desert. We were flopping around from place to place, sharing worship services with other churches. And this was years. And then we finally were able to start worshiping at University of Illinois Chicago in one of the lecture halls. And we stayed there for years, years. Brandon and myself would do the audio. Uh, we had a church van at the time. We'd get up early in the morning go to the storage facility, get the uh, church equipment, sound equipment, um, and then take it to the university, unpack it. We had to unpack it from, <laughs> we had to unpack it from the parking lot off of Halsted, put it on a cart, roll it through the uh, university, unpack it, put it in the lecture hall, set everything up, and then break it all down and take it back afterwards. Now, when we got rid of a lot of the equipment and stuff furniture that we had, we moved all the equipment to pastor's basement. So we ended up coming to pastor's house early in the morning on Saturday morning, waking him up and doing the same thing from his house and going and, and doing it. It worked out. Um, but, but here's what happened during that time period. <clears throat> we had purchased some land over on, uh, where was that? Rent? Adams? Right. Where? Oakley. Yes. Okay. And real nice piece of land. And we were going through the process of trying to get, um, get funding because we didn't have enough money to pay cash for it. And, and guess what? We didn't do fundraisers. We didn't bake brownies. We, we didn't have special uh, speakers come in to raise money. We didn't do anything crazy. We, the church didn't get into debt to go into a, like a whatever percentage loan so we can get this big building built. It's going to be nice. We're going to do all that. Pastor and leadership, and some of the guys that aren't, aren't around anymore, but Doug and Pete and Darius were there. They were like, no, we're going to hold. And one of our favorite songs, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. And, and here's what happened. There was architectural plans drawn up. We had this building. It was, it was going to happen. At least we thought it was. And then the city came in and said, if you guys don't build, we're going to eminent domain. If you don't know what that means, that means the city's going to come in and take this property. So again, we didn't go and say, we're going we're gonna to do something radical, get this loan, we're going to get this thing started. We, we, I saw the leadership. They were not, for some reason, maybe they were, but I wasn't part of the leadership back then, but it didn't seem like they were phased going through all this stuff. Now, wives could probably say otherwise because they saw what was at home sleepless nights and stuff like that maybe. Um, but when they were at church or at small group meetings and things like that, they were cool, calm, and collective. There was no emergencies. These guys just stayed steady. And I think the Lord told them, hold, hold, hold. If you all ever watched any movies like war movies and stuff like that, and you see the guy on the front line and he's going, hold, hold, hold. And then he goes, go. You know, right when they get close, we sold the property for almost four times the amount we paid for it. We were able to then, I don't know how many years later, but take that cash that we had 
take a small percentage of it and purchase this building, purchase another building, purchase another building, and still had close to half the money we got from the sale of the property left over. Tell me that ain't the Lord. When you hold the, and, and then now, throughout the whole time, there was no crazy teaching. There was no, you know, name it and claim it, you know, say you want it and you're going to have it, you receive it. No, it was none of that stuff. None of that. It was true doctrine. And you'll never walk, as far as I'm concerned, you'll never walk through Chicagoland Bible Fellowship doors and hear some crazy, insane teaching. It'll always be true to the word. No matter how many people are here. It's not about pulling people in because of what you're saying. It's sticking with the word. So the purpose-driven church should be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all will be given unto them. Each church was known for doing good things in their communities, in their little towns. But God still had issues with them. He told each and every church that the only way, those five, the only way to escape, escape the wrath was to repent. Repent from their sins and be the purpose-driven church that he had called them to be. I'm not going to stand up here and say that uh, Chicagoland Bible Fellowship is the example of a purpose-driven church. I'm pretty sure the Lord would look at us and say, you're doing this, you're doing this, you guys welcome guests in, we're loving and all that. But, <laughs> but, but you know what's cool about that? There would be no hesitation to the leadership saying, amen, we'll change it, we'll get it right. 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. If we say, now this is, this is pretty cool because Doug will love this. This was Sunday school. You know what uh, discipleship, one of the uh, key books for having someone go through discipleship training is 1 John. And that's what we just finished going through in Sunday school. Doug did a great job. But in 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, it says, if you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen? Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and we'll close. Behold, if you don't know him, he stands at the door and knocks. If anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you want to overcome death, hell, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repent of your sins and ask him to send his Holy Spirit to be the Lord and Master in your life. Let's close. Father, thank you this afternoon for your word and what you had to say to all the churches in Asia Minor. The five churches that had the issues, they were doing some good stuff and then they stopped along the way. They allowed the world to come in and try to corrupt them. But you gave them another, you, you gave them more time. You gave them time to repent. You told them, repent and, and bring you back in the fold. There are those out there, Lord, that they're, they've been blinded by uh, the world and they need you. And you're just offering that, that leaf, that, that olive branch saying, just, just repent. Just come to know me and walk with me and stay with me. Abide and I'll abide with you. We've got a great opportunity, Lord, with uh, all the stuff that's going on today with all the lost people in the world. Um, to whom much is given, much is required. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. But just like with the 11 disciples, and then you brought on Paul. Oh, man, they turned the world upside down. The same can be done because it was done before. So thank you, Lord. And um, I pray that uh, we, we bring in the new year with um, just focused on you, grace and mercy, thankfulness, praise, and uh, looking forward to what you're going to do in our lives. No, Lord, I didn't want to go through. Let's, these are 10 steps you can do to make your 2024 the best year ever and all that stuff. All you have to do is obey the Lord. Ask the Lord to be the Lord and Savior of your life, and he'll guide you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he'll add all that stuff that you think you want. He'll give you the stuff that you need. So thank you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.